Welcome to Orange is the New Cast, the officially unofficial podcast for Netflix's Orange is the New Black television series. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me tonight is... Kelly Anakin. From the Up Yours Downstairs podcast, a sister cast on baldmove.com. I figured before we jump right into the episode, I'd like to give an introduction to you for all the listeners that might be hearing you for the first time. Sure. Uh, brag a little bit. Uh, first of all, I want to say uh, my hat's off to your Downton Abbey coverage this year. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm a huge fan of your Downton Abbey podcast, and I thought the stuff that you – the way you handled the situation – I'm trying not to drop current yeah, season spoilers. Is, I, think, uh, I think we referred to it as the incident. Uh, we had a lot of uh, a lot of euphemisms for it uh, yeah. to try and save the the spoiled and, or the the non spoilered among right. us. Right, and the increasingly Batman tendencies of Bates. It's just you guys are so funny and oh, thank you, so good. And, and also, I also learned something. I like how you have the uh, Tom that reads history and your fashion. Was it fashion forward? Fashion backwards. Fashion actually. backwards. Uh, Crisscross style. Back at the fashions of old. Uh, so you want to tell any uh, people about kind of uh, who you are a little bit and uh, what you cover on Up Yours Downstairs? For sure. I am a stand-up comedian based in Oakland, California. So this should be the uh, funniest, funniest ball move podcast of all time. No pressure. I, I hope so. Laugh I, uh, a minute. I've got some quips pre-written. We'll see if they work, <laughs> what works in the moment. You, you workshopping know, anything tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Well, last night, you know, I watched the episode and I was just, you know, working some things out, running them <laughs> past Tom. Uh, Tom, incidentally, is my husband and co-host of Up Yours Downstairs, which is our Downton Abbey podcast. And uh, we cover Downton Abbey, shocker, and uh, other Edwardian uh, World War One era entertainment. So we just finished up a run on uh, Mr. Selfridge, which was the sort of replacement show after Downton Abbey uh, went off the air on PBS. And we've got what we call our hiatus programming coming up shortly. So we're covering all kinds of great stuff. We're going to do a film version of All Quiet on the Western Front. We just did A Room with a View. Uh, we're doing Anne of Green Gables, A Little Princess. A lot of really fun stuff out of the uh, early part of the century, or at least stuff that's set in that part of the century. And it's fun. We've got a, a great batch of fans. We call them our cousins, Cousin Downton Abbey. It's all about the cousins. Sure. And uh, we just we have a blast. It's a really great time. And I am lucky enough to be joining you guys on at least one of those hiatus podcasts, I hear. That is true. I think we're going to bring you in for Lawrence of Arabia, starring the one and only Peter O'Toole. I can't wait. I'm all about Turkish prisons. Fantastic. That uh, sounds like a longer story <laughs> and one we may not have time for. Unfortunately. On this podcast about a women's prison. T yes, tonight. Nice segue. Tonight, it's it's <laughs> where we have to leave the Turkish prisons alone. It's all about the women's prison. Uh, tonight we're talking about the second episode of season two. Uh, it is uh, tastes like red or t looks blue, tastes red. Yes, and which I thought was some sort of subtle Matrix thing, but they didn't go there at all. That wasn't what that was about. Yeah, I don't. Whenever I see the episode titles, I kind of like. I see blue and red next to each other, I think, or just I always think either Doctor Mario or the Matrix. <laughs> Doctor Mario, bringing it, bringing it all the way back. Absolutely. Uh, this episode is directed by Michael Trim, which, uh, you know, I'm not as familiar with some of the comedic directors as I am with some of the uh, more drum drama or action oriented ones. But he's got mm -hmm. a lot of credits under his belt. Uh, Weeds, Parks and Recreation, which I am a big fan of. 30 Rock, which I am also a big fan of. And uh, a few Orange of the New Black. So we're oh, in good uh, hands. Oh, and Cavemen, the failed, uh, the failed TV series about the Geico Cavemen. 
He directed all 13 that's episodes. That's what that. that's about. I, uh, <laughs> I didn't have time to the Wikipedia. I'm like, hey, man, fuck that. Yeah, uh, Nicole uh, was the lead in that, I believe. Interesting. All right. So we're we're so, in pretty good hands with Michael Trim, Caveman. To, and that's probably not his fault. We've all, know, you know, I'm sure, you know, you can only do a, you know, what's essentially a product placement sitcom for so long before yes, it gets canceled. Yes, at least 13 episodes apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've all done. Who who ha- among us has not done something we're not proud of? Oh, to cash a I paycheck. Have really, you know, if you if you jot it all down in a ledger book, I've done way more that I'm not proud of than <laughs> I am proud of for sure. Uh, speaking of things that are kind of maybe not proud of or maybe need a little bit of working, um, where do you stand on the theme song slash intro of this show? You know, because it okay. gets a lot of hate. I know I don't get the hate. I get it stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really good. I like seeing so many different faces of women. Yes. I'm a big Regina Spector fan. I've been a fan of hers for a long time. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, it makes sense for Genji Cohen to go back to that well since she did the theme for uh, Weeds back in the day. So I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fine. I'm a f- I'm a fan. I'm getting my uh, my Leanne in Pennsylvania on right now. <laughs> my Ohio accent is coming out. But uh, I'm I'm pro the theme song. A lot of people hate it. I don't understand it, but I like it. I am, you know, I've, uh, we're kind of cribbing it for our theme music on the podcast. Uh, so original here, a bald move. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I'm kind of ambivalent on the theme song. I think it fits the material, sure. But I. I can't get enough of – I just find it fascinating, the extreme close-up, no-makeup, harsh-lighting view mm-hmm. of all these human faces and how different they are and you know, how expressive they are. And I just – it's mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed – Were you? Uh, did you marathon this or did you kind of like watch an episode here, episode there? Oh, dude, I marathoned it so hard. Uh, when we do our podcast, we don't marathon, even though we could. Yeah, right. Uh, we try to watch – Take know, it as you come. Yeah, and, uh, and for the, like, the U.S. schedule. So, you know, it's sure. something that's already aired in Britain and then uh, we don't get it until right. much later in America – but so for this, you know, I knew I was going to be doing these, but I felt like I could, you know, it felt like cheating a little uh-huh, bit, but I uh-huh. was like, it's okay. It's not your, it's not your full-time podcast. You right. can totally marathon this. <laughs> so we blazed through it. And I think about, I want to say two and a half days total. Wow. I, I devoured like the first eight episodes in the first, in the first weekend. And it took me a while to get around to the last one. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, we are, however, not – we're going to pretend like we haven't seen the others for the purposes Absolutely. of this podcast. Did you notice that Netflix has this really cool auto-skip feature of the theme? Like after the first time you watch it, it starts the next episode if you do to continue watching, and it like jumps right to the produced by Jinji Cohen thing. No. You know what? I bet that's why Netflix has been bothering me about uh, upgrading to the new version. Oh. <laughs> Which I don't think I've done yet. Okay. Well, I know this is at least on. I was, I was just going to say like, man, I wish Netflix would have a feature where you can just skip the theme song though. Yeah. I think it's doing that. And, and it wasn't doing that during our House of Cards marathon because I know I had to blow through that a lot. But I, it, at least on the PS3 version of Netflix, it was uh-huh. doing that like a champ. And I was entirely enthralled by that. Interesting. Well, we've got it on our Wii because we're super high tech. Sure, and then sure. also um, Chromecast from our phones. Mm. So I don't know. I'm going to check this out because if that's an option, uh, we should be taking advantage of it. Because as much as I do like the theme song, you don't need to hear it 13 times in a row. Indeed. So 
having said all that, we'll get to the episode <laughs> proper. Uh, and it's a flashback to one of my favorite characters, if not the favorite character, especially from season one, which is Tasty slash Tasha. Yes. She is an adorable seven to ten year old. I have, I'm horrible wanna, at aging I children. I nine. I nine? don't know why, but I feel like that's a nine year old very strongly. And we pan down from a big banner that says, it informs us it's Black Adoption Day. And we see, you know, she's auditioning and she's singing uh, beautiful and she's trying to show her intellect. And it seems like she's somewhat successful, but then another girl kind of horns in on her action with these, you know, potential adoptive parents. And she's like, back the fuck off and <laughs> kind of crashes in flames. And then we see kind of a tough older woman sidle up to her and, uh, you know, I it it, it it quickly establishes that this woman is some sort of drug dealer or a connect. Also, uh, are you a Futurama fan? I am a Futurama fan. You know the episode with the time skips? Uh, I'm not sure. So there's an episode of Futurama where uh, there's all of these time skips happening. And I think uh, V's outfit is causing the time skips. <laughs> all the flashbacks in all of Orange is New Black, V is causing them with that outfit. Uh-huh. Uh, much like Amy Wong in that episode of Futurama. Like, her outfit is so ridiculous. Gotcha. It's uh, got this weird, like, cleavage cutout. Oh, and, like, yeah. Strange sleeves. And this continues throughout the whole episode. She keeps making these choices. And I will have more thoughts on them as we go on. Indeed. But uh, I am not a fan of this outfit that she's wearing. Um, I, I got this very strong kind of Orphan Annie cross with the wire kind of thing. Yeah, um, for sure, for sure. And we learned a lot of things about tasty the fact that uh, she knows pi up to 56 digits uh that's super impressive um i don't think i even know it up to four digits yeah i, I once the one four i i really don't know the rest that's yeah three one four is good <laughs> enough for me um in my construction efforts yeah. but um i feel like that it was really sad that she's at this point you know say hey i can't get with you because if i get in trouble i'll never find my forever family Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of heartbreaking the situation that she's in, that she's still hopeful to find this. But, you know, you kind of see from a little of her rough edges that that's probably not going to happen for her. Mm-hmm. But she still hasn't given up hope. And we also got the origin of her nickname. The fact uh, that the, the episode is kind of named after the fact that she prefers, I think it was red to blue or taste red. Taste blue looks yeah, red. Yeah, was it uh, the... Uh... The adoption agency lady basically pulled her away from the family after she uh, got a little X-rated on them right. and said that she'd get her shave ice. And she said uh, it's blue, but it tastes red. Mm-hmm. So I think she she likes that it's blue and it tastes red. It's a uh, good surrogate parenting there to redirect. You got a kid that's got some aggression. You just hey look a snow cone, <laughs> and she likes us up mm, tasty. And it's funny because this kind of this interchange of her uh, auditioning for a role that she's hopeful to get at, uh, you know, a prize at the end and then have a disappointment and then offer a lesser treat kind of plays out through the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. And we kind of flash forward to the present and the girls are getting ready for this mock interview slash job slash career uh, fair. Uh, what do you think of the scene where they're actually getting dressed and they're picking out uh, their outfits from a pretty threadbare uh, prison interview costume? Rack. I adored this scene. Uh-huh. Uh, somebody who's had to hand out a bunch of, you know, uh, aggressively used costumes to kids <laughs> in theater camps I've been teaching. 
this rang very true uh, because, you know, everybody wants either the same thing or there's nothing that anybody wants. Right. So I had a little bit of sympathy with the uh, the dress for success lady right. uh, who's handing it out. And I also love that we got Leanne in this scene uh, who in season one was primarily uh, Penn Sataki's kind of uh, sidekick. Sure. Uh, talking about how much she wants to be a marine biologist and swim with dolphins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love Leanne. I don't know if everybody else watches TV this way, but I always watch TV and I'm like, who looks the most like me? And in this case, <laughs> it is absolutely Leanne for me. <laughs> that's you're that's you're being way too hard on yourself. I am being way too hard on myself, but I think she maps the closest. All right. Uh, just in terms of sort of like where I'm from and what, you know, what would I look like if I was a meth head in prison? I feel like I would look a lot like Leanne. I'm more of a, uh, a Sophia type. Yeah. Yeah. Pouring <laughs> myself into that sequined, uh, what would oh, you, that's, totally. not, that's not a nightdress. It's, uh, it's, it's this, this just short of like bed war, bedroom costuming. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely, it's definitely, uh, evening wear, but perhaps for a very specific, Type of uh, thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I know that at one point the term plushes was used, which uh, yes. I really I, I, I fell in love with. Uh, <laughs> poor Leanne gets stuck with this just peach nightmare of an outfit. And she should have not listened to this lady no. as her, you know, at home sister. Yes. Uh, peach is not good with our coloring, Leanne. It's not going to work. <laughs> uh, we, we cut to a scene in the kitchen where the Latinas uh, who have taken over the joint uh, in last season are discussing just the dis- decrepit state of the prison with the loose check character. Uh, the heat's not working or it's, it's working too much in the kitchen. It's not working anywhere else. The prison's frozen in the winter. Um, and, and it sets up another conflict in episode where Gloria and Daya's mom, which I don't know what her name is. Uh, it's Aleda. Aleda. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. Aleda. Uh, they seem to have some sort of real, oh, maybe mo- Alita. I can never remember how it's pronounced, but she'll always be Daya's mom to me. <laughs> uh, but, uh, she, they're having some kind of real mom versus Tia struggle, uh, over Daya's inability to poop. Yes. Who's the best mom? Who's the, you know, is the, the surrogate mom or the aunt, uh, surrogate the, aunt, or is it going to be the real the mom? mom with the best laxative effect here? Yeah. And it's just an insanely competitive thing here. Um, well, I just love, you know, Gloria's, uh, Santeria being used for everything. Like, just, you know, there's no problem that her dabbling in Santeria cannot solve. Well, you know, the placebo effect is real. So That's half true. the time, really half the time, the chicken blood and the eraser shavings or whatever she's using is probably going to do something. Yeah, true, true. Especially, I mean, honestly, this is pretty simple to solve. Yeah. Uh, you know, just introduce some sort of foreign uh, item, have your patient consume it and you know something's gonna happen oh, i'm not see, sure what but you, something's definitely gonna happen when you said foreign object i thought you were going to start recommending uh, manual di- uh, digital stimulation no 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 no. uh <laughs> we're not gonna go that far not gonna go that far uh, i do want to point out that gloria was on law and order for a while uh the original law and order oh yeah like, right I on just saw, i just saw her on some episodes yesterday uh tnt was having a marathon so wasn't she the the, the the police chief or something in first she's year? not the chief she at least in the episodes that i saw um this is in the you know farina uh jesse l martin years uh-huh. uh she was some like lesser administrative detective mm. uh so she you know she would do a lot of digging for the main detectives uh but i just got really excited i was like oh my god it's Gloria. <laughs> uh so we find out 
that it's Fig that's behind this mock job fair. And we get the idea that it's kind of to appease the reporter who's been digging into the prison's finances ever since his interview with Larry last season. And we get to the fashion show uh, where, you know, the – what do you call that? The the court no, – the, the coach, the interview coach, the dressing coach? Yeah, I mean, you know, she's the uh, – I don't know, the leader – Coach is probably good. And, you know, what she really is is just a volunteer. I yeah. think she probably doesn't have any actual information. And she set Leanne up for a hard fall because she yeah. appropriately called out the peach nightmare as ill-fitted, dated, and not flattering. Uh, and she's like, fuck you. I just want to swim with dolphins, which is an appropriate response to that. Absolutely. Uh, Nikki is absolutely rocking the shit out of this pantsuit. Uh, mm-hmm. She looks fierce. She looks hot. She looks like she's in command. But the coach does not like her hair. I was outraged. I wanted. I would have hired her with that hair. I thought that hair is awesome. The hair is like the mane of a lion. My priorities are in the right place. Right. And she says it's clean. It's clean. What do you want? (laughs) She just wanted to run her fingers through it. That's it was distracting. Yeah. And Tasty wore last year's winter outfit. Unfortunately, apparently she doesn't have last year's winner's bod because it's a you know kind of. I don't know, pinched and, and creased yeah, in weird places. Yeah, the thing is, it doesn't fit around the waist and that the blouse is too sheer. Right. Uh, which I found a little surprising that they wouldn't even offer a sheer blouse right. as part of this thing. Like, <laughs> this is not, I'm honestly surprised. Dress for Success is a real organization. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, they're a real organization. Uh, I used to work at the Bastion retail finery called Dress Barn. Oh, sure. And uh, we used to partner with them. And I'm honestly surprised, given how sort of tone deaf they're portrayed in this episode, that they agreed to let them use their trademark. But they do. Uh, you can actually see their their copyright symbol on the sign behind all the girls. So interesting. I, I would have loved to have been a uh, a fly on the wall for that negotiation and those script meetings. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's like they saw what the Breaking Bad is able to do for Denny's. <laughs> and like we, you know, sometimes it's, it's a, a product placement and an awesome show. It doesn't matter the context. It's just kind of yeah. cool that we ran with it. Yeah, uh, like we want to get on some of the anti-hero money. <laughs> so it's turn- a non-profit. It turns out that uh, Tasty and uh, Frank and Cha-Cha, who I believe his name is Flacca, although I think that's yeah, a nickname Flacca. too. She's my, uh, it's hard for me to decide who my favorite of Martinez are. But I think she is my front runner just because of her undying love for the Smiths. Uh, <laughs> I just, I love that she loves the Smiths so much and she just cracks my shit up. You know, I hear that that is a, a real thing in the Latino community. Oh, it is. They Absolutely. love Morrissey. They love the Smiths, like unabashedly. Yeah, it, is, it is true. I, I mean, you know, not, not every single person well, does, right. but there's a lot of residents there with right. their experiences. That would be a hateful stereotype if we said all of them did, instead of just a hasty <laughs> generalization that we can get away with. Sure, absolutely. Uh, we have another tasty flashback. This time we see she's aged forward a little bit. She's working at a fast food restaurant, which we got a little bit of a glimpse of last season. While V basically strolls up, V's the uh, tough lady who had the uh, time-traveling wardrobe. <laughs> and she's rubbing the fruits of her illicit labor right in her face. She's like, look at how fly we're dressed, and we're about to go have a big fancy dinner, and you s- smell like fast food grease. And I uh, I enjoyed this scene a lot, uh, just because, I don't know, it's weird, because you do notice that when V rolls up, she's with these kids. I mean, the kids are like 15 and 16, and V's right. got to be at least in her 30s. Right. 
And I'm like, this is unusual. Like, this is kind of weird. Right. Because, uh, I mean, cause the way that V rolls with them, V is rolling with them as an equal. She's not rolling with them like a parent figure per se. Sure. Um, and I just, I, I found that to be a little creepy. Yeah, well, yes. Uh, let me ask you something about another relationship. This uh, RJ, who's kind of the smooth-talking, good-looking man who's the uh, older teenager that's with V, um, you know, he seems to have some genuine affection for Tasty, and likewise, what do you think their relationship is at this point? I don't know. I mean, at this point, I feel like there's, you know, maybe something there. I could I go, it, which seems creepy, but I feel like I could go either way, brother, sister, or potential lover. I agree, but I think that's pretty common for teenagers. You know what I mean? Whoa. And I think, that's you what, know, explain that, that, that's a mind blowing statement. No, no, I mean, I think, you know, when you're that age, it's a fine line to walk sometimes. I think, you know, you have somebody that you're really close with. Oh, um, it could go that kind of brother-sister relationship, or it could go exactly. romantic. It just yeah, I wasn't depending. thinking they were literally brother and sister. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you know, it, you know, in that kind of situation, oftentimes it's one of those things where it's like somebody can make a move, and then, you know, either it works or it doesn't work, or, you know, and if it doesn't work, sometimes you can go back to that brother-sister thing. And if it does work, then you, you know, date for a while until one of you dumps the other one. Yeah. Uh, I, not that I would have any experience with this kind of thing. I mean, I feel like I'm somewhat warped in that I was raised on Star Wars, where you had some very nebulous <laughs> kind of hotness between brothers and sisters. And now as an adult, I enjoy Game of Thrones. From, so my sense of, you know, what's pr- appropriate for siblings and lovers and all that, it's just completely skewed, at least in fiction. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think in this case, they're not actually related. And as I always say about Jamie and Cersei on Game of Thrones, I'm like, look, it's just a loving relationship between two consenting adults who happen to be brother and sister. Uh, That's the best way to deal with that relationship because it's not (laughs) going anywhere. Right. So we all just have to move on. Uh, So moving on into the future, back to the future, we see that (laughs) Red is uh, still not eating the new food. She's living off uh, ramen noodles and coffee, which, you know, who among us hasn't? Yeah. Uh, when she finds out her account at the prison commissary is empty, and this is going to be a big deal. Another big deal to me was the fact that Chang runs the commissary. Yes. I totally love this reveal, because we didn't really see much at the commissary last season. Uh-huh. And we didn't see much of Chang last season. Right. So I just, I don't know, and Chang's a hard-ass. She is. The commissary. Can't it's sell amazing. you shit. You got no money, I can't sell you shit. Yeah, well, and, you know, what we saw of her in last season, she was on the whack uh-huh. with uh, Healy. Right. And she just, you know, her, her MO with Healy was just to pretend like she didn't understand English. Mm. But, you know, watching that season, you're like, oh, maybe this is just a woman who doesn't speak English. But, you know, in this context, you know, they've, they've changed the game on us. And Chang actually is, uh, she's an operator in her own right. So... We then go to Caputo's office, which we find out is freezing, too. His poor succulents and cactuses are not... I feel like frost on my succulent is a euphemism for a sexual dry spell, uh, <laughs> which Caputo is clearly in the midst of constantly. It also sounds like a failed uh, seal song from the 90s. <laughs> I've got frost on my succulent. It quite scan. No, it, it needs to be it needs to be worked a little bit. That's why I got scrapped. He just couldn't make it work. Yeah, he tried. He did. Uh, we find out that Lushek has got some minor graft going, where you know Figaro's having him pick up space heaters for herself personally. He charges her fifty. They're only twenty seven dollars. 
Caputo ends up shaking him down, saying, here's four bucks, get me one, and I won't rat you out. Um, it's a, a guy that was introduced as maximum creepy. It's interesting to examine our relationship with these characters, because at first we thought Healy was a saint, and Caputo is the guy who masturbates to uh the thought of helping these women or, or or having power over these women you know oh i thought he just masturbated to the women oh really i thought it was yeah. specifically that he did him a favor and that there you know there was some kind of his like the power dynamic and here comes the jergen bottle and you know it's pretty gross i just i just thought it was uh that he likes boobs mm. but well that's, I could be wrong. that's certainly an acceptable justification in my mind for masturbation <laughs> maybe not at work here's the thing Oh, no, I mean, I'm not saying you should ever jerk off at work. That's not... I'm not uh, saying that, too, but I would be interested to know how many people... What's the percentage of people that have jerked off at work before? Because it's not zero, and I bet it's surprisingly high. If you're a listener and you'd like to participate in this anonymous survey, (laughs) just, 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 just email me the words, I've done it, to orange at baldmove.com, and I'll keep a running tally of that. And we will never release your name. No, your name. I mean, this is not even a joke. I will not release your name. But I'm just idly curious at the population that does the office jerk. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Caputo turns out, I mean, in, in, he's one of the more stand up guys of the prison, or at least they're kind of setting him up this, this, uh, this way, which is surprising, uh, going from the prison masturbator to this, but whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, this show, this show is never dealt in, you know, perfect, you know, black and white villains. You know, everybody is, is shades of gray, 50 shades of orange, if you will. There you go. Uh, people don't really fall on one side of that spectrum or another. Uh, just kind of, you know, you can kind of see everybody's justifications. Whether you agree with it or not is up to you, but it's not about just setting these people up, uh, as, you know, definitely good or definitely bad, in my opinion. Speaking of Shades of Grey, let's talk about Boo's doggy, little Boo. Oh, my God. I missed this the first time through. Did you then, really? Or did you just black out? And I <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I missed this because I saw it come up in recaps. And I was like, what? Yeah, how did I miss that? What? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's so appropriate. It's like the inmate level caputo masturbating mm-hmm. it got but, weird oh my god it's funny because uh when we we're doing our preview one of the uh women that uh, participated said you know the one thing i'm really looking forward to is find out what happened to little boo mm-hmm. and i you know uh, not not so much not not a very happy ending um, yeah nobody was really uh expecting that no uh-uh. <laughs> but it's a very it's a very boo thing to do you know, that, that's that's true. That's true. Who never met a uh, a situation she couldn't try to turn to her own masturbatory advantage. That's true. Screwdriver. Let's see yeah. if I can uh, apply it to my snatch. Uh, dog looking peanut butter. Apply directly to the snatch. I mean, honestly, I'm kind of surprised it took her this long. That's that's right. That's <laughs> if true. You think about it. That's true. Well, she wanted little boo to be legal. You know, it's yeah, like you, you yeah. can't. You, you got to wait till she's a, a consenting adult dog, I guess. I mean, but we still didn't find out what happened to her. Yeah. It got weird. So what happened to little Boo? Did so, she go to a prison with fewer degenerates? 
<laughs> well, I just wonder if like did, did Big Boo come forward and say, "Yeah, I can't do this. This is this is weird." Or did did she get caught and it was some kind of uh, administrative function? I, I, yeah, it felt minds to me to like she suddenly developed a uh, a soul or a conscience rather. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, to me, it seems like she, it was something she was like, you know, either she tried it or she didn't try it. Mm. But she, you know, she had a, a change of heart and was like, I can't do this to this poor dog. Yeah. Uh, or I can't do it to this dog anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be the guy that said I'd want I I, I needed to have a resolution to the bestiality plot of Orange is the New Black. And uh, <laughs> in fact, I'm not. I'm not going to be that guy. So uh, I was moving on to uh, we're still in the cafeteria and the women, the Latinas are discussing Red uh, being a hibernating bear. That she's still a threat. And we find out that Gloria has lifted the ban on feeding her a long time ago, but this is just kind of her stubborn pride at this point. Yeah. But she's out of money and she has to accept the prison cafeteria food, which I bet is splendid. Um, uh, well, I mean, Piper got banned from eating it for many, many days for saying that it sucked. That's true. Although Red was making it then. Maybe it's better now, but I don't feel like they're, you know, they're not, uh, they're not dealing with fresh local organic yeah, it's, ingredients here. The chef's individual skill probably can only do so much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but she's having trouble fitting in aside from just her, uh, you know, food and diet. The Golden Girls try to invite her in and she rebuffs the offer, which at the first I was like, what the fuck? Does she mm-hmm. feel like that she is kind of too good for them? Is she not ready to admit that she belongs in that uh, demographic? And then we find out later that that's, I think, still partially true. But also the fact that she didn't want to be their piper. She didn't want to give them, you know, make uh, cause them any problems. Or I thought it was just more of her pride. I don't think, you know, I don't think Red... <sighs> I think Red cares if she causes people problems, but you know, she's, she's kind of the Walter White of this prison. Right. You know, she is the problem. Like she doesn't <laughs> cause the problem. She is the problem. She is the one that cooks and now exactly, she's not. And exactly. It's... And I think, you know, her pride is wounded. She's just, she's not ready to move into a different group. I mean, she's just having a hard time. Uh, and it's understandable. I think, you know, kind of going through what she's been through. You don't necessarily – maybe she doesn't even feel like she's worthy of having friends at this point. Mm, she is in a pretty dark place. Uh, Pensatucky's back, and her mouth is even more of a nightmare than it was last Praise season. Praise the Lord and pass. I was going to say the dental floss, but <laughs> she doesn't even have enough teeth left to no. use floss. No. It is – oh, my God. But I'm so glad she's back. I love Pensatucky so much. Uh, uh Go- it's 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 not a popular opinion, but she is absolutely somebody who went to church with my holy roller cousins. Like, ah. just she, it, you know, she feels like home to me. Okay, uh, I can which, I can you understand know, that. Judge my homeland uh, of Cincinnati, Ohio, as you will from that. But uh, it just it feels like a little slice of where I grew up. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to judge you because I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana, the uh, yeah. one notch lower on the societal rung, if you will. I don't know, though. I feel like people are more racist in Cincinnati. That's true. That is true. I think I think that docks more points, and I think, um, I don't know. I, I mean, they, like they are, maybe an even number Cincinnati of had an honest-to-God, like, race riot as, as late as the late 90s. And no, it was 2001. Oh, was it? Okay. My <laughs> it was mistake. my senior year of high school. My mistake. So, yeah. Not there's, a problem. There's, there's that. Um, where was I at? Oh, yeah. Speaking of uh, Healy um, and how he's lost the, the moral high ground to the prison masturbator, 
uh, he sees Pinsatucky and wants to make sure they have an understanding, which is very hard because she's thick. But I have to ask you, do you think that it occurred to her to extort him if he hadn't practically led her down this path? Because she did show go, – go ahead and answer that. What did you, Do you actually think that she would have thought to do this? I think potentially. I felt like she was playing dumber than she actually is. I mean, she's not a genius, but we do know she knows how to work the system. Yeah. But again, I guess if in the past we look at, you know, the uh, the right to life movement kind of co-opting sure. her as their poster child, um, you know, she does need to be led a little bit. Mm. So I don't know. It's hard. I think she would have definitely, she would have figured it out at some point. Mm. Uh, but you know, she didn't make it easy for him. You know what I mean? I think if she had no previous thought of trying to extort something from him, I don't think she would have like let this conversation go on as long as it did. Uh, my take on it was that at initially the lights weren't on and no one was home. But once he started talking about his involvement uh, and the lights did come on, she was able, she had enough raw animal cunning to then, you know, connect to the, her, you know, her 15 minutes of fame with the right to life movement and her, mm-hmm. you know, media access and all that. So uh, Upshot she is... She was on Dead of Ancestrin. Yes, she was. She was <laughs> the paragon of uh, journalism. Uh, so she's getting a new mouth out of this is the Upshot. She's going to get to see the oral surgeon and good on her. No, uh, not a moment too soon, because as much as I enjoyed the reveal of her toothless mouth, Oh, God. I was like, good Lord, I cannot look at this another season. Oh. I just can't do it. Her smiling is like the sun coming out from behind an outdoor shithouse. <laughs> it's just like, so, it's, it's so sweet and sunny, yet so horrifying and repulsive oh, at the same man. time. It's, it's cringe it's great, every it's single time. Cool. Every single time. It's a lot to deal with. Uh, Fig's trying to rework the reporter after fashion show. She's like, hey, look at all this money. You know, we're, uh, the DOC screws us over and we're trying to do these morale boosting operations. And that's where all the money's going. It doesn't seem like it really works. Uh, we also find she out. She does a very poor job of trying to work this out. And I'm honestly surprised the DOC doesn't have a publicist to deflect this kind of shit. Well, but do you think that she would want to get the publicist involved at this point? Because oh, she's, she's she's legit. Yeah, she's legit scandaling here. Yeah. Uh, and she does uh, kind of like a weird Sharon Stone slash. Right? It did feel good, like she was coming on to him. The, and I'm yeah. like, why are you? This is a woman who severely overestimates her sexual desirability. Yes. In my opinion. Yes. Like you can put on the nice clothes, you can do the hair, you can do the nails. You cannot undo that face. <laughs> I'm what? sorry if that's body shaming, but it's just not. And I don't even think, you know, whatever that face's assets are, she's not playing up the positive aspects, you know, if you Everything have else is so overdone, I feel like that this cast, I can be a little catty on. Um, and I'm just going to go with that. I'll, I'll go so far <laughs> as to say that if you have a hatchet face, I would not find a whetstone to further sharpen it. Agree. Yeah. You, you might, you might want to blunt that. Like, why do you feel like you can, uh, you can be catty on this cast? This, uh, it's orange is the new black. It's a women's <laughs> prison show. I've got a whole bunch. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe all the, uh, 
maybe you are providing cover because it's with was me and Jim. It's like it just seems like it's super mean if we're making fun. I of- don't know. I mean, I I am very judgmental of people's looks. Okay, uh, I think I don't uh, know why. But I am. I blame uh, my subscription to YM Magazine and my youth. <laughs> but, uh, well, and I think, you know, this show in particular, I mean, you know, look, they style her to look that bad. Yes. No, like, right. They style that character deliberately to be awful looking. No, they've taken um, her to the grindstone for sure. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but I mean, I don't know. You know, whatever. They're all on TV. They're all more attractive than us. I say open season. That's kind of my argument, too. Um, and also... Point of fact, look up at the, look at these women in like their press junkets and stuff. All of them oh, clean totally. up very, very well. Yeah. So um, let's move on before uh, people judge us too hard. <laughs> uh, did, did we know that her husband is running for public office before this season? I felt like we didn't. I honestly do not remember. I don't feel like we talked much about her husband at all. So I want to say no. Okay. I'm going to go with that too. Uh, we're that gonna- doesn't wrong, but – I really, I don't think that we did hear anything about that up to this point. Uh, going down to the laundry, Ange and Leanne, who are Pensatucky's kind of right and left-hand women, are talking about her mouth situation and the fact that she's out <laughs> of shoe and how much nicer the laundry is now, how much more peaceful it is after she's been gone. Yeah, which, I mean, I find easy to believe. She's just always trying to stir shit up. Yeah, like Leanne pointed and said, you know, it's not like everyone's going to hell every day and all this. I mean, can you imagine how exhausting that would be? I I can. <laughs> yes, I guess we're, we've already established that. You're familiar yeah, really, with I this really character can. type. I've been on both sides of that conversation. Um, yeah, and I, I like this scene. It's nice to see the meth head sort of, uh, without Pentatucky. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I also noticed this is, I don't know, this is just me being nitpicky, but in the previous season, her nickname, their nickname for Pentatucky was Tucky. Yeah. And now they're calling her Pen. Oh, interesting. I know, right? I don't know if that's just an oversight, but it's something I noticed. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's like Pin is a harder because it seems like their opinion on her is shifting, and I think that's an their interesting. Their opinion is definitely, yeah. They're they're not willing to blindly follow her anymore. I think that's an interesting theme throughout this uh, this show and and this season in particular is the effect one's associations has on 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 others. Oh, for sure. And Ange and Leanne are kind of having this renaissance, and uh, we'll see how other things shake shake down. Uh, moving outside the prison, we see Larry and his dad. This is uh, Piper's uh, ex-fiance are having a schwitz. Uh, you have a lot to say about this. I can tell. I'm sensing. I'm getting some em- <laughs> empathy through the microphone. Uh, run with it. I just hate Larry. Me too. So much. He's the I worst. Love Larry's dad. In the first episode, the Larry's dad bit where he's in the the Chicago prison with Piper, being like, "Quit being an idiot." Uh-huh. Uh huh. Is great. But just Larry is just so the worst, and it's not even like anything against Jason Biggs's performance. No, he's you know, terrible. The thing, the thing you keep seeing, you know, in all the press is, you know, Genji Cohen's like, oh, you know, Piper was this Trojan horse to get us right. inside the prison. And I'm right. like, well, then what is Larry? Is he like some of the shavings that the Greeks left behind he's that the, for some reason we have to go check back in with? He's the used Trojan that <laughs> that missed the wastebasket and is oozing on the bathroom floor. It's exactly that. And not just because they're in a gay sauna. <laughs> because Larry's dad had a group on. Of course. Again, it's Larry's a cl- dad is the best. It's a clean, well-run, organized bathhouse. It's a oh, schwitz. Yeah, a schwitz is, is a schwitz. I would go there. It's fantastic. But so, you know, Larry's still all hung up on freaking Piper. And I just, you know, this is this is the guy who breaks up with the girl. 
And then you and all the rest of your friends are like, oh, thank God, we really hated that girl. And then he gets back with her a month later, and every social interaction from then on is so awkward until it inevitably falls apart again. No, he is like capital N, capital G, nice guy, uh, and not the good way. The whole his it's just he's just gross, and him and Piper's relationship is gross, and his assertion that I made her come vaginally. Do you know how hard that is? It's just. Who says that to their dad? I mean, I know. Yeah. I know that the Blooms have a very sexually open relationship with each other we've seen <laughs> in their past interactions but my god yeah have some dignity right have right some, have some self-respect man but the, the, that's, that's the coming up in your moral calculus i just think that's that's funny oh it's not yeah, funny it's yeah. gross ah uh, i just and i also don't believe that he did that i just don't <laughs> i don't think he's that good of a lover i think he's severely is uh, piper that good of an actor and i'm not talking oh, absolutely okay piper, piper is i know from piper's uh, as a white lady. And <laughs> Piper is one of those people who gets off on, like, getting off, even if she hasn't actually gotten off. Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> but it's like, you know, she would want him to feel that he'd done well. Ah. So she, I, fe- I feel like she's, she's, I don't know. But I also do think she is hyper sexually sensitive. Mm. So I don't know. It's hard to say. Please, no more Larry. Let this be the end of Larry. All right, the end of Larry. This, this gay bathhouse with his dad that's never saw him again, died on the way back to his home planet. I think so. He's so relaxed after Schwitz that he ran out. He fell asleep, had one of his micro sleeps, hit a truck, and he, he died in a, in a fire cataclysm. We won't see him again. <laughs> uh, let's see. You're hoping. Fingers crossed. So we, the, we, we now have an interview coach who seems like he is less mean and maybe a little bit more on point with his advice and he's giving these women you know don't say that you made sure no one stole shit say you monitored the inventory and provided security and i thought all these mini interviews were fascinating Mm -hmm. did you have one in particular that was your favorite because i've got a clear one oh sister angles Ah, okay, right. Oh, Sister Ingalls was my absolute favorite, saying, I went from a habit to a prison uniform. I don't think the fashion industry is a viable option for me. See, I liked uh, Crazy Eyes Suzanne. Uh, you know, I'm hoping to work with <laughs> mentally ill <laughs> children. Absolutely and she, she's she got this on-point stuff. She goes, or I want to work with round objects because I find them very pleasing. And I'm like, that's that is that's her. That's her Uzo Aduba's performance is so incredible. Oh, my God. And again, Fifty Shades of Orange here. To think where she started. Uh, if you think about episode two in the first season and episode two in this season, just the way that this character has developed and just how much everybody loves her. No, like it's, mesmerizing. It's fascinating. Her performance yeah. is mesmerizing. It's so good. Uh, Tasty is the one that is completely locked in. Like She's just soaking all this up. And she does seem like she's ferociously intelligent. Mm-hmm. So, um, moving well, she's on. Been, you know, she's been running the library. Right. And we've seen from her flashbacks, I mean, she's always been extremely bright and intelligent. Right. Yeah, no. Uh, we see Red Sun comes in. He's got a black eye that his uh, baby mama gave him. And uh, yeah. Red, Red likes that. Red likes the, a little fire in his, her son's uh, paramours, apparently. Oh, yeah. Well, it means they've married someone like her, I think, <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> true, true. Uh, and they need a strong, they need a strong Russian babushka to kind of, you know, rule them with an iron fist to make sure they don't fuck up, apparently. Uh, what do you think? Her statement of her life is sad and small and a burden to those I love. I thought this is kind of her character's low point, that she's kind of begging her son to help her out here, to throw her a bone. 
I agree. And I think, you know, you just get to this point, you know, she's got no money. She's got no kitchen. The only people who want to hang out with her right now are the Golden Girls. Right. Uh, you know, this is this is a time when you want your son to say, no, Mamushka. You know, right. Right. by the way, Mamushka is my favorite new word. And I'm going to just start calling people that randomly. You Hope should. That's okay with you, Mamushka. Um, I just think, that it, you know, sh- the one thing she could probably still take pride on is the fact that she kind of architected this deal with the Russian mob to get in this prison connect. And it appears that that's blown up in their faces that whatever, and we still don't know exactly what the hell broke bad there, but yeah. something did. And now her husband well, and their well, family's enterprise has been blackballed. Uh, they found out that they were the ones running contraband. Was it? I thought it was something with the bodies and storage and freezers. Or no, something. no, 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 no. So the, um, the Russian mob is angry with her because in her sort of machinations last season with porn stash, Neptune produce got implicated oh, with right. running the contraband and, well, and the drugs specifically, even though they weren't initially involved in that. And that was her um, connect. That was her connect. Okay. And once that got, you know, obviously Neptune is no longer allowed to bring things into the prison. So sure. that's no longer money going into, um, I forget the guy's name. Uh, the scary guy whose name starts with G. Right. But, um, so yeah, so that's how basically they're blaming her for blowing the contract. And as, uh, Vasily says, you know, they seem to forget at this point that she got them that contract in the first place. Right. Uh, let's move on to a flashback with Tasty where she, we see her, she's in some sort of dire straits. She's crying. She's at uh, V's place of business. She's saying that she doesn't want to go to a different home, so she, something's happened to where uh, she's she's going to be in jeopardy of going to some other place in the foster system. Uh, she doesn't want that, and V's like, well, you know, uh, like she said in the beginning, if you decline enough invitations, people stop asking. She's tired of her, but she flashes out some of her math skills and help gets back in her favor by resolving this dispute with one of her low-level dealers. Um not much. I don't got much to say except for that moves the plot forward of of how she, uh, her and V's relationship came to be. Do you have any comments sure. on it? No, I'm not really. I mean, I think that dealer is going to be dead within three months. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't seem like he's doing a very good job keeping on top of his own business. No, he does uh, not. I I did enjoy this reveal because apparently V's front is some kind of uh packaging uh mail order type storefront. I thought it was interesting uh, because there's a lot of, I feel like nods to the wire, like uh, that her and tasty are running this stringer bell operation because stringer famously had his UPS, you know, uh, shipping little front end office as well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a couple other kind of shout outs of that storyline as, as well. Uh, I, are you, yeah, are you really a fan of the I wire? Mean, the wire is hugely influential. So I wouldn't be okay. surprised. Uh, moving on to the present where Daya's mom's stealing some shit out of the kitchen office's fridge. Uh, not much to say there. Uh, Larry is visiting Piper's best friend, Polly. Oh boy. Larry is the Jon Snow. He survived. God damn it. We didn't even get through out the rest of this episode. (laughs) Because now we got him being gross and, uh, Polly's boobs are hanging out and, what what do you take of this relationship? Because on the one hand, she's being very supportive of Larry, but on the other hand, she's treating him as a total non-sexual entity. Nothing yeah. nothing says to a man, I do not see you as a sexual object at all, like casually disrobing in front of them. I agree. And 
what's more suspicious to me is her weird uh, towing of the line around her relationship with Piper because she's like, listen, I don't know how long we're going to be each other's lives. Right. But I'm on Piper's side. And she's like, by the way, though, I'm not really on Piper's side. And I'm like, you're a terrible friend. Yeah. Like, she's not. I mean, <laughs> Does look, it surprise I, you that Piper she, has terrible no, friends? Doesn't. Neither she nor Piper are good people or people that I want to <laughs> hang out with. But oh, my God. I'm like, get your. Uh, like, why are you saying this to him? Like, you know, he's not trustworthy. Right. Like, you know, that his dad was like, hey, maybe don't tell. Uh, is that what his dad said? Did his dad tell him to tell Piper that. Alex named her, or was it the other way around? I'm not sure. Anyway, point being, dude's a flip-flopper. Sure. Okay? Like, you know, he and Piper could still get back together. Right. And he will he's exactly the kind of idiot that's going to be like, oh, by the way, this is the funny thing that Polly said when you were in prison. <laughs> and then actually, he's the type of dude who would say that just to get some kind of reaction out of this deep sense of neediness that he has. Exactly. Like, I need something from Piper, so I'm going to bait the bear and get whatever attention I get. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, well, like I said, then, gross. God, he's left alone with the baby. And I'm like, good Lord, that baby <laughs> would be better off on the street. Like I saw in some recap somewhere, somebody referred to Larry as like future president of the men's rights movement. <laughs> and I think, no, I think it's so true. Like he and Healy both. I mean, Healy's kind of already there. No, Healy's the, the chapter president. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. The, the lead. He's the, the grand cyclops of that movement. Yeah, Larry's Larry's the young gun. Uh, you know, he's he's just he lacks a strong mentor to send him on his I, I don't know that man woman hating path. I don't know he's got that gumption though. He's definitely got the 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 raw talent, but the gumption to join an organization you know, such as that. You get you know you get cheated on by enough girlfriends in prison. I think you just snap at some point. That's true. That's true. Uh, let's see. Um, so Dea's mom is leveraging her knowledge of her childhood shit patterns uh, to help <laughs> move her bowels with yogurt, I believe, and is just generally driving Dia nuts. She's getting pulled between her mom and her, you know, surrogate mother figure, and they're both making it kind of uh, Dia's mom, especially, all about her. It's not, and you know, as a person who's uh, was raised by a mother who's a narcissist, this felt so uncomfortably real. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that mm, the the fact that you're helping me take a shit is completely in the back seat compared to you are the one that's doing it and you're the best mommy because of this and all that. It's just ah. Yeah. Well, and Daya tells her to get out, not before some boobs walk through. Which I'm like, is this a uh, is this a commentary on Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> with the random, we've had two scenes back to back with random boobage. That's true. Uh, but, I, you know, they show a lot of different kinds of boobage on this show, and I really appreciate that. That's the thing. Like, Game of Thrones has got, uh, you know, you can tell the casting calls going out for exquisite natural breasts. Orange <laughs> the New yeah, Black is yeah. just like, uh, I like your look. Um, we'll find out what's underneath there when we roll cameras. And yeah. we just go, you know? And it's, yeah, Absolutely. you do see such a huge variety of women's bodies. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I mean, my my boob twins don't show up until later in the season, so we won't talk about that right now. Oh well. But, uh, please give us an update on that. <laughs> I, w- I will let you know after it happens. Uh, I'll I'll make sure and send you a note and be like, "Those are my boob twins." It's funny because on Fargo, I met my handwriting twin. Oh. Yeah, Molly on on hand on Fargo writes exactly. She's got the same cramped block gothic style that I do. 
Wow. It's like, you know. You should sue them, man. I know, right? <laughs> uh, or I don't know. There's some kind of like uh, series potential there. Some kind of uh, where we are, are handwriting twins and I don't know. We should move on. Uh, Pousset is actually helping her friend Tasty uh, tailor her dress to fit better. Uh, while she's simultaneously cramming in the library on business speak to prepare for this interview. Anything to say about that? Pousset is my favorite character. Really? Uh, I think hands down. It's absolutely Pousset. Strong statement. So, say what? I said strong statement. There's so many oh, good ones. Yeah, I just, there's so many good characters and I love them all, but just Pousset, there's something about her uh, that I just love. And her relationship with Tasty is so great. Uh, any chance to see those two interacting is so much fun. So anyway, Tasty is, uh, we got another flashback where she's coming home to V's house looking fabulous and she's just freaking out about how awesome Hobby Lobby is. It's pretty great, despite their, uh, their policies about birth control. It's phenomenal. <laughs> uh, don't, yeah, don't, the, uh, does it involve pipe cleaners at all? Is that the official no. birth control somehow? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, they do have a crazy assortment of pipe cleaners, yo. And oh, yeah. googly eyes. And this is the, this is what I was talking about. Straight up stringer bell. The whole concept of branding the drug, mm-hmm. uh, as horsey horse, which I did not know heroin is called a horse. Oh, really? No, I guess I need to I do more heroin. Knew that. No, I need to do, I, I need to do more heroin. I'm just not yeah, plugged clearly. in. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. Uh, I also like the, the, the theme of the forever career. This isn't my forever career that echoes her, uh, desire uh-huh. for the forever family up, 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 up front. And, uh, V, is a really good cook and you can see how this family appeals to tasty mm-hmm. and how much she oh, just kind of soaks up that stability and that love and affection. It's such a nice kitchen. Everything is very clean and neat. And V's making this, you know, butternut squash and ginger soup. So, sure. I love, she says she threw in some leeks just cause. Cause yeah. I love throwing leeks in. Of just course. Cause. Of course. Uh, and, you know, RJ's there and, and, you know, he's, he's putting together, I think he's putting together the package and it's just, it's a nice scene. And you get that shot of Tasty just kind of standing there smiling and soaking it in. Right. And, uh, you know, he kind of interrupts her reverie and is like, you know, let's get over here and eat before it gets cold. But it's just, you know, you have this nice moment of her enjoying this, this surrogate family. Yeah. And it's, you can see why contrast this to the foster system and working at fast food to, you know, making easy money, having nice things and having the stability. Who of us would not make that choice? Oh, absolutely. So, uh, moving well, on. For her, though, it wasn't even a choice. Right. At that point. She tried. Know? She really yeah. tried to stay on the straight path. And this, it's for whatever reason, the system didn't work out with her. And you're right. It's like, it's not like she even had the choice. No, absolutely end. not. So anyway, uh, back to the present, uh, Red is approached by the Golden Girls who aggressively friend her. Uh, and you know, she talks about how she's worried about, you know, obviously not being a Golden Girl, but they point out like, look, your, your frosty white roots are showing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, who are we trying to impress? Uh, that's why I thought there was, there's a little bit more to it than just her defying, uh, you know, or wanting to be in denial about what age bracket and her kind of relative status in the, the prison. I do think that there was a little bit of her concern of her, whatever stank is on her rubbing off on these women, but I don't know. You're yeah, probably I, right. I thought it was just, you know, I thought it was just pride, but you know, potato, potato. It's yeah. a series of many ambiguities. And now that you but said that, um, it, it does come off that that was more of her trying to give them a polite brush off and they just yeah, weren't absolutely. having it. All right. I mean, I love the Golden Girls when they're like, who are we trying to impress? I've been living like them my whole life. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> like whatever, my roots are showing. Don't care. Oh, I'm not putting on makeup. Go fuck yourself. Uh, they're they're my new favorite uh, clan in the prison for sure. I just I I'm a big fan of these ladies. Yeah, Golden Girls, the Don't Give a Fuck clan. Uh, definitely, I would fit in there as well. Yeah. Uh, Pinsataki's going to the oral surgeon. Uh, that's just a brief kind of uh, transitory scene for her. We see the cigarette exec, uh, a Philip Morris exec, has come in to be the uh, mock interviewer. And I thought it was some smart commentary between Pousset and the Black Cindy about yeah. uh, the deadly, you know, openly deadly companies like the cigarette and alcohol industry versus the quietly deadly companies like, you know, Big Pharma and Big uh, Agriculture and, you know, all the other things. And the fact that, uh, you know, they wouldn't bother a small time criminals. So, oh, absolutely not. But yet Philip Morris is here, uh, you know, trying to support the prison industrial complex, I guess. Yeah. And well, I mean, you know, I'm sure you can hire felons a lot cheaper. And, you know, they're just trying to set, you know, they want to plant that seed. So when people get out, they're like, oh, uh, I'll apply to Philip Morris company. Sure. And then Philip Morris can hire them. And, uh, yeah. So they just, they're a cog in the wheel as well. Philip Morris would be lucky to have Tasty. I'm just going to throw it out there. Oh, I agree. Uh, so the inter- oh, she nails this interview. No, especially since Flacca, she tries to basically butter up the dude. Uh, you know, put she's some hand like egregiously sexual with him, considering that she's in front of everybody in the yeah, prison. Yeah, yeah, but uh, and then she's just increasingly desperate. And there was a a fear that I had that that was going to somehow work, and it was going to be yet another gross thing in the system. Um, and I was relieved to see, uh, spoiler alert, cause we're going to jump forward a couple scenes. The tasty wins. She did, yes, you know, like yes. you said, she smashed it. She just utterly won the interview. She um, did research. She knew how to do business speak. Yes. Uh, cause you know, when I entered the business world, I was like, oh, you just have to learn this whole new vocabulary and that's it. Basically. Yeah. Basically it's, it's kind of, you know, uh, there's an article I read today about job interviews and the fact that, um, People that are really good at making shit up beat people that are naturally shy and reserved, or especially people for the, from cultures where like bragging and embellishing mm-hmm. ones and, and achievements are, are looked down upon. Cause it is, it's basically a way of telling the best story that your life, you know, if you take your life's deck of cards, arranging them in the most pleasing order and maybe throwing in a couple aces up your sleeve here and there too. I mean, don't lie. But embellishing is fine, right? Yeah, well, just recontextualizing. You know, it's, it's, when you break everything down in life to its basic levels, it's all a confidence game. Mm. So, you know, people like seeing a confident person; they want to work with a confident person. Indeed. And Tasty's got that in spades. Yes, she does. I like the fact that yes, she did do the business speak, but she still had her flavor. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And uh, again, she'd be uh, Philip Morris would be lucky to have her. Uh, but. We flash back to the past and we find RJ, her brother slash lover slash whatever, is dead and Tasty's is devastated. Mm-hmm. And it seems like V is too because, you know, she said, I raised the boy. They're talking about how can they get away with this. We find out that they is the cops or some kind of um, suspicious shooting circumstances where maybe RJ was armed and maybe he wasn't. Uh, Even though V had told him, you know, all these years, never carry a piece on you at carry night. carry a piece. How many times has my mom told me that? Yeah, probably zero. 
Um, but she says, hey, I protect my babies. This one got away, but I'm going to die before that ever happens again. I will keep you safe. And it's really a heartbreaking scene because, yeah. you know, Tasty yeah. had this these plans and they were going to go see the Statue of Liberty and walk up to the head. And it's just all all these good things, all this family she thought she had forever are has been taken away from her. And it sucks. Yeah. It's terrible. No. So you can see why this, you know, kind of seemingly inconsequential victory in the prison is so important. And, and, uh, I think maybe we missed this scene, but she's talking to Pousset and, uh, Janice and Black Cindy about how, you know, if she wins the interview portion, then she'll get hooked up with a job the next time that she gets released. Yes. Yes, you're right. I did. So, you know, she's, she's trying to get her life back on track and get that forever career still, even in prison. Yeah, I mean, it feels like that this is kind of illustrates the treadmill people get on where they just, you know, they've got this plan and then it fails and sometimes they no follow their own and their response is just to get on the treadmill and tread harder, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is probably the way you go about life. But um, I just but I mean, you know, if you don't have any control over the treadmill that you happen to be on when uh-huh. you started, uh, you know, it's very tough to kind of jump to a different treadmill. So the stuff, the, the people that, uh, at home are like, get to the point, get to the point, let's get to the important part of this episode. Daya takes a shit, everyone. I do hope that in future episodes of this season, we do get, uh, some higher, uh, stakes storylines for the yes. Latina inmates because yes. it feels like this is very, like, this is the comic relief, uh-huh. uh, for the episode, which uh-huh. is fine, but it's just like, okay. Uh huh. Let's, um, remember how Daya is pregnant? Right. Like Bennett's baby. And like, apart from that, like, don't all these women have lives outside of the fact that Daya's pregnant? Like, sure. No, no, this is apparently, I don't know. I guess maybe in prison that makes sense that that would be the biggest, hugest thing. I mean, what possibly else could be more important than that would take center state? But yeah, definitely some pretty low stakes games. Uh, Bennett comes around the corner just in time to be the, for Daya to be humiliated by, uh, their, uh, graphic depiction or, or speaking of the large dump she just took. I did love Gloria saying that that concoction that she gave her has been helping women in her family dookie for generations. I just, I enjoyed that detail so much. That's what it's all about. Helping women do back and back and back. All these women pooping. <laughs> uh, that, back and know, forth forever. It's feminism with a capital F. <laughs> uh, so we talked about Tasty One. Uh, she's disappointed to find out there wasn't a job offer because that was her, uh, you know, that was kind of this, that the forever family she was hoping for from this scheme. And uh, Figs is a typical asshole. Tells her that, you know, she's entitled and blah, blah, blah. She should grow up. But then seeing the look of just devastation on Tasty's face, she at least threw her a snow cone. She said, yeah. uh, here, I'll give you 10 bucks in her commissary credit. And Tasty's the kind of girl to not look that, uh, that, that gift horse in the mouth. And she seems to be genuinely appreciative of it. Then she turns around and sees V wearing orange, which I hear is the new black and says, Oh shit, fade to black. Yeah. Pretty good episode. Pretty good setup. I, a lot of a lot of conflict. A lot of backstory over my favorite characters. What did you think overall? I thought it was great. I was glad uh, to be back at Litchfield after the first episode, which I think you know was a smart way to kind of handle right uh, getting back into the series. But definitely very happy to be back at Litchfield, and definitely getting this context on Tasty uh, was fantastic. Just kind of understanding more about her and who she is. And, you know, why she wound up in prison. 
is great. And, you know, seeing the fallout from Red losing the kitchen. Uh, and of course, you know, I always like a good poop subplot. So this really hit all of the, uh, hit all my buttons. Would you say that was um, the, the number two plot line? Yeah, definitely the number two plot line. Okay. Awesome. Number, number two in the store and number one in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, you, uh, very little sex though in this episode. That's, well, I mean, you had boo, little boo. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to qualify bestiality as sex. May, December, Game of, May, Game December. Of hasn't, you know, affected me that much. <laughs> okay. Uh, any other thoughts before we get to some feedback? Yeah, I, uh, I definitely love the detail, which we didn't talk about because it's such a throwaway thing, but both in the, in the Schwitz scene with Larry's dad and the scene with Larry and Polly, somebody remarks that Piper's in Chicago, but she hates deep dish. Mmm. And I love that detail because I also hate deep dish pizza. Do you? Um, oh, I do. I think it's foul. I think it's a horrible excuse for pizza. And I am angering everyone in Chicago who listens. I'm sorry, guys. I just don't like it. Well, I mean, uh, it's hard to call it pizza because it, you know, I guess it's a pizza pie. But I, I do. I mean, I, I don't care much for New York style pizza. I feel like it's the, um, you know, remedia school, remedial school of pizza. So, I, so what? What half you pissed off? I'm going to piss off the other half. Uh, I'm a deep dish fan. I'm absolutely, New York style pizzas, phenomenal. My favorite. Uh, it's, it's hard to get on the West Coast. They don't have great pizza. There is a place called uh, Lane Splitter that does all right. But man, a nice piece of legitimate New York style pizza in New York. Oh, so good. Yeah, California tries too hard at pizza. They put up like arugula and stuff on it. It's yeah, that's, that's which can be good, but on. it's like if you want just like some legitimate, just goopy, saucy, cheesy pizza, um, that they have a slightly harder time with. Yeah, and if you have like really legitimate pizza, your bowels have a way of shutting that whole thing down. <laughs> um, so, any other comments, or should we move into feedback? Uh, let's go ahead and move into feedback. Uh, before we get to feedback, actually, I have to do some podcast pimping. Which were it a crime, I'd be locked away for life. Uh, the only reason you're able to listen to me talk to Kelly this evening about Orange and New Black is the fact that Jim and I decided to go full-time on his podcasting gig. We really would appreciate your support on that, and there's a couple easy ways you can do it. The most straightforward one is going to subbable.com slash baldmove. It's simple. You give us money, and you can take that money and exchange it for valuable prizes and considerations and different backer rewards. It's kind of like uh, Kickstarter on Layaway. Because uh, unlike Kickstarter, where you got to pony up for whatever you want at the time, you can actually say, hey, I'm going to give a buck here and a buck there and bank all that stuff and then you know, save up to one of the uh, you know, brass, silver, or gold rings. Um, there's lots of cool stuff. There's uh, coupons for T-shirts in our merch store. There's uh, phone calls with Jim and I. Uh, you can commission custom podcasts. Tons of cool stuff. Please help us out there. If you're an Amazon shopper, you can go to amazon.baldmove.com. And what that does is allows us to steal a tiny bit of Jeff Bezos' profit on every transaction you make. It costs you nothing, no hidden shipping or handling fees. It just sends us love. It's awesome. If you can't do any of that, please consider rating reviews on iTunes. Every time we get a new show, it helps out tremendously if you'd go and take 30 seconds and click on some stars and say a few words. Because that, honestly, iTunes is the biggest way we uh, promote and extend our audience and uh, if nothing else, tell a friend or family member, turn them on the bald move. We'll know what to do with them. Uh, check out all of our awesome po- uh, content at baldmove.com, including 
your my favorite podcast, Up Yours Downstairs, featuring <laughs> I Kelly you say and Tom. That's all your guests. I I I actually probably do, but uh, <laughs> I mean it. This time, I genuinely mean it. It's it's Aww, my favorite you. podcast. You should definitely check it out. We have s- enough content to choke a donkey at this point. Uh, I can't keep up with it all. Who can? Uh, but it's all there. Uh, you know, we, we've got uh, all of our television podcasts. We've got a Fargo one now. We got this Orange is the New Black. We're we've lost our minds. We're covering the new Twenty Four. We got a bunch of stuff coming up this summer. Follow it all at baldmove.com. And uh, that's it. Let's get the feedback. Uh, first up, Dina LB said want to issue a correction from our podcast last week. I said that uh, there was a prisoner using earwax as lip balm. In fact, she had a glob of Vaseline hidden in her ear. I missed that, and that's so much better. That is true. That was uh, Lori Petty. Lori Petty, Tank Girl. Ah, oh, Lori Petty. Uh, the Lord's work. David Jacobs says, uh, I think, again, talking about last episode, I think P- Piper made the better choice to lie, and I predict that we will hear later that Alex has been killed on the outside by our former employer. I do think the show will be less by the loss of Alex, who I think was a complex, interesting character. I like the actress that portrayed her, but I might be in a minority here. Where do you come down on Alex and uh, Laura Prepon? I like Alex, but I think Laura Prepon is not a very good actress. Okay, um, that's her range might be not that great. Yeah, but I I enjoyed her. I liked seeing her get under Piper's skin, uh, and I liked her friendship with Nikki a lot. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I mean it was fun to see her in the first episode for sure. So uh, you know we know that she'll be popping up throughout the season is what I have. Bird. Yeah, they, uh, they, at the end of last season, they said that she's they're only going to get her for one episode, but then they amended that to be, I believe, four. So if there is a conclusion to her arc, uh, they at least are going to be able to tell it on their timetable and not, you know, have some kind of artificial shooting restraint around it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. So I'm I'm definitely curious to see where it's going from here, uh, and and where where Alex goes uh, now that she's out. Uh, Malika said, uh, it's so nice to hear you and Nina on your podcast. It's like my two favorite podcast networks got together and had some quote unquote mildly interesting times. Uh, so she also says, I hurt my ears to hear you talk about pee pads, earwax, and public dumps, but I'm glad to know I'm not the only one who had a visceral, visceral reaction. With all that nausea, it's focusing on my least favorite character and seemingly doing away with all my favorites, but it's amazing how much I enjoyed this episode. Again, talking about the previous one. Maybe I'm just glad to be back uh, thrown into this world, however disgusting the world may be. She wants to know, do you think we'll ever see any of these side characters again? She's talking about the federal penitentiary at Chicago. I have mixed feelings as I really didn't want to lose the focus of our main crew, but maybe a spinoff featuring Tank Girl, Kelly. Do you think we'll see any of these people again? This is a cheap um, question. You've seen the whole season. I know. This I know. is like oh, me and like Jim on Game of Thrones when he asked me, well, what do you think will happen, Aaron? I'm like, well, I could tell yeah. you. <laughs> Uh, well, I, what I will say is just the, I mean, if you read any of the reviews, uh, from people in advance of the season, uh, they make it pretty clear that the, the Chicago prison's a one-off. Right. Uh, so I mean, I don't think it's, you know, it's not spoiling anything. So no, I don't think we because the reviews said we Do you think that that's something that Netflix might consider doing? Because it feels like that this has a very limited shelf life that they've talked about maybe three, maybe four seasons. Um, and then it's, you know, kind of running its course. Do you think that they could spin off something, uh, at a different prison, uh, with the new characters? Could this be kind of an anthology type series? Uh, it's possible, you know, Tank Girl could be the Frasier <laughs> to 
Orange sure. is the new blacks cheers. Right. Potentially. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a really interesting time for people producing content because there are so many different delivery mechanisms at this point. And, you know, fandoms have so much more influence on sort of what happens. I mean, you've got the, you know, Better Call Saul prequel happening from Breaking Bad. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I feel like I can't even make predictions because by the time they get around to it, you know, we'll all be watching on our Google Glass and it'll be a choose your own adventure deal, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not a, I don't feel like I can predict anything. I don't, I don't know. I think it depends uh, on whether it's something that Genji Cohen would be interested in doing. I mean, God knows from weeds, that woman loves to tell the same story right. well beyond its uh, probable end episodes. Which that would make me nervous if we saw this series being extended much beyond three or four seasons. I don't know. I think it would be interesting, depending. I would I would need to see the third season, Yeah. basically, is how I feel. Because we know that Piper's sentence is shorter than a lot of the other inmates. Sure. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about whether or not the show could continue without Piper. Um which I think it could. I think that's could. that's the interesting concept that they made this kind of like uh, is like like if nine hundred two one zero didn't go on for ten years but graduated original cast and then you had a new batch of people coming in all the time. I mean, exactly. You could have this prison and people could go in, people could come out. You could have a you know a couple of people that return every season that would kind of anchor you and bring you into the next one. But I mean, this could be you could run it forever as long as you kept having interesting stories to tell absolutely i mean and i think that's the bigger challenge is being able to keep it fresh but uh you know I, again we'll see what happens in season three and uh ask me that question again all right Devin p said i wanted to get your guys's opinion on the segregation overall of the prison it's part of the show that bothers me most and i wonder if i'm just being naive to the fact that this truly is how things happen when you're stripped of all freedoms and are placed in this type of environment or is this black white latino thing just played up for show drama uh, thoughts, opinions on that, Kelly? Well, with my extensive experience in women's prison... I noticed the cobwebs on your elbows and yeah. the three tears tattooed on your face. <laughs> You've yeah. seen some shit. I have. I absolutely have. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Eastern Promises, it's like that. Mm. Um, <laughs> no, you know, okay. Midwestern so Promises. how accurate it is, but every prison show I've ever seen is like that. Uh... So I don't know, you know, I guess it doesn't bother me that much because I'm kind of accepting on faith mm -hmm. uh, that that is the reality of what's going on in mm -hmm. prisons. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I really just, I, I have no concept. Actually, hang on. That's from 2004. I'm Googling it right now because I have no idea. You'd think I would have looked it up by now. Uh, well, you're saying that, I, I will say that I've, you know, obviously I don't have any firsthand I, I, uh, prison experience either, but I have read a few books and, uh, it's a fairly common thing on Reddit for the IMA, uh, AMA section where it's basically people saying you can ask me anything for prisoners. And that's mm -hmm. one of the common topics that comes up. And I guess that yes, in the prison environment where, uh, and depending on what kind of prison you're going to, that the, the racial segregation is a real thing because things get very tribal, you know, mm -hmm. uh, if, you know, blood relationships and then racial relationships become a very important thing. And conversely breaking those traditions and breaking those things becomes kind of a taboo thing. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of social 
socio reasons for that uh mm-hmm. that that make a lot of uh, of sense but um yeah no I, I think that that is uh fairly accurate what were you All looking right. up were you researching something oh yeah i just found this weird article about a jewish guy who in 2009 said he had to eat with the aryan brotherhood in prison uh if he didn't want to get killed so yeah. that's interesting yeah no i hear that that's uh yeah that you know that's Something you do, you know, you, you, yeah. it's one thing, I guess that's, um, you know, I, I it's kind of, I guess it's like a very extreme version of when you go to a party where you know someone, you don't know anyone and it's kind of uncomfortable. And then you see across the room, like someone, a coworker and you mm-hmm. like just cling to that person, like a, a life preserver. I think that's the way it works with race that like, you don't know any of these people. It's a dangerous situation. It's extremely comfortable. It's this, it's, it's unnatural. And you kind of like flock together at this tribal level. Well, and I mean, you know, whatever limited progress we've made out in, you know, the real world, you know, the prison culture doesn't change in the same way. Not as progressive, think. no. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're you're kind of dealing with, you know, a system of self-governance. And even in some cases, you know, actually, you know, governance by the uh, administration. Sure. That has been going on for decades. So... It's just, uh, it's just screwed up. I mean, I don't think it's supposed to make you feel great kind of to address the actual question. Um, but you know, it's just part of the reality that we're accepting in the show. Uh, moving on, Elizabeth G. She said, as someone with a supportive family, it's hard to watch or understand Tasty's struggle. There are people who overcome disadvantages without turning to crime. Maybe when a series concludes one day, Tasty will finally get the help from someone who can help her land legitimate work. It's a shame to see her intelligence wasted. It's hard not to agree with that. However, I kind of in the same situation. I mean, I've, you know, my life's not perfect, but, uh, it's nothing like the women, the stories, the, the backstories we find out here. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's something I think this season does really well to show, you know, it, it gets to almost the wire levels of social commentary in places. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, that's the, the real story here. And I, you know, I, think Piper is an important part of that story and that she is, you know, something we can contrast there. But it's all about how if you aren't given sort of this head start in life, uh, your straits are a lot more dire. It doesn't mean you can't wind up in prison, but it's definitely a lot more difficult for you to get out of that cycle that we were talking about. Right. Uh, Nina's uh, P, who was my co-host last uh, podcast, uh, proprietor of Project Fandom, so, hey, guys, this might be one of my favorite episodes of the second season. I thought a lot about Tasty's relationship with V and seeing how it began this episode really reminded me of how it was to grow up as a black child in Brooklyn. Where I lived, there was a lot of single parent households. And when there were two parents around, like my house, both parents worked. It wasn't unusual for children to be adopted by second mothers, someone to make sure you always had something to eat and wasn't getting in trouble when your parents weren't around. Every kid who grew up like I did had to miss someone. For me, it was a lady across the hall, Miss Sheila. Unfortunately for Tasty, it was V. Still, I could see why someone like V was so appealing to Tasty, even though she rightfully called that V was bad news the day they met. But if it's not uncommon for kids with somewhat stable homes to seek out and miss someone, it makes sense that Tasty, hopping from group home to group home, would be drawn to the promise of family that V gave her, even if that came with slinging dope. Looking forward to your thoughts on the episode, which we have given. Do you have any thoughts? I mean, I think that's... Uh, it's interesting because it is very hard for the majority of the audience um, to kind of fully connect these characters and their situations because it's something that the majority of us probably can't relate to, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I think that these stories are interesting and they tell us a lot about, you know, and should make us feel kind of fortunate that we've had the situations we've had in, you know, like, you For know, sure. our but lives I think it's are also, you know, if you've had a different situation than you normally see on TV, the way that Nina writes in about, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's the, it, you know, the same kind of thing as, you know, when I see Pennsylvania and Leanne, I'm like, Oh, I recognize that. Hmm. You know, and I think that that's a really powerful and important experience for everybody who watches TV. You know, we all want to see our experiences represented. And, you know, regardless of what that situation is, we all, I think, benefit and enjoy seeing other um, other experiences portrayed. Granted, like the Big Bang Theory is like the number one comedy in America. So maybe not everybody feels that way. Right. But um, I definitely like seeing things that I haven't experienced. And it does feel like that there is so many different diverse backgrounds represented in this show that someone, there is a, a Pensatucky or a Tasty or a somebody that you either have lived through or you've seen someone live through that you can kind of use as an anchor point for your empathy to be like, yeah, okay, absolutely. this can happen. These are real people. Then I can extend that empathy to everyone on the show and try to kind of understand what's going on with them and how this could relate to the real world and – um like I said, I was I was surprised and very happy to see some of the, the the later kind of social commentary going on. Unfortunately, the first two episodes, not a lot of that happening. It was more just kind of set up and and uh, catching up with Piper and catching up with the rest of prison. But uh, looking forward to having you back on in a couple weeks to go over, uh, I believe, maybe episode seven. I uh, have no idea which one that is, but I'm looking forward to it. We'll, I can tell we'll, you for sure. Yeah, we'll worry about it then. Any other last comments? Uh, no, uh, this was great. I really enjoyed being on and, uh, you know, it's a great season of television. So I'm excited for everybody to get to dissect it together. Yeah, no, thanks for, uh, thanks for volunteering. It is an odd format because, you know, <laughs> everyone's watching it at different times and everyone's got, uh, feedback at different levels. Thank mm-hmm. everyone's been sweetheart so far about putting the episode number in, uh, their subject because when I'm going through and I'm searching for everything for Orange is the New Black, it's very hard to assemble, but when you say this is for episode three or this is for episode two, it's, it's very easy for me to key and call your feedback. And, uh, coincidentally, more likely that you're going to have your stuff read because, uh, I might overlook it if it's, uh, kind of lost in the sea of un, untagged emails. Uh, if you'd like to try to get in there, it's orange at baldmove.com. You can also follow along with us on, uh, uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash baldmove. We have a thread for each episode where you can give the feedback and then we have the podcast threads. Uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter to find the latest episodes and talk to Jim, although he will have no idea what the hell you're talking about when it comes to orange and new black on Twitter at baldmove. Kelly, would you like to do some pimping? I mean, we, they can find all your stuff on baldmove.com. What are some ways to get in touch with you guys? Uh, we can be emailed at upyoursdownstairs at gmail.com and you can send us a tweet or as we like to call them, a carrier pigeon. Uh, our handle is at upyoursdownstairs. I think uh, uh, for and- this, for purposes of this podcast, we'll call them Yodas. You have to send her a okay. Yoda, a biggie slow. <laughs> send me a Yoda. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, and then if you have any, uh, curiosity about my standup, you can just go to kellyanakin.com and all of my personal social stuff is there. Excellent. Thanks again for coming on, Kelly. It was fun. We'll see you in a couple weeks. And uh, by by the way, anytime you want to drop feedback on any of the other episodes, uh, just let me know. We can we can make that happen. We can do a little phone call. You can send an email, whatever. Thanks Sounds for coming great. on. Uh, we will see you guys next week, and we'll see Kelly in a few weeks. Until then, I'm Aaron, 
And uh, uh, oh, I'm Kelly. Ahead. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. No, that's fine. <laughs> I don't have this all rehearsed or worked out yet. And uh, we will see you guys later. See you next week.